I'm going to be reading from Daniel chapter 2, starting at verse 24, and reading to the end. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Balthazar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all things. And as you saw the feet and the toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. 
As you saw, the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of, of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that he broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then the king, or then King Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel, and commanded that an offering, an incense, be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honours and many great gifts and made him rule over the whole province of Babylon and chief, and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the holy scriptures, the sacred scriptures. Help us now to listen. Help us to to hear. You've given us ears to hear. So help us, Father, what your word has to say to us. Thank you we have the scriptures to to keep us on the narrow road, to keep us humble, to keep us speaking the truth. So Father, please, I pray now as I come to to preach from Daniel, that I would be faithful to its interpretation, that I would speak the truth in love with a tender heart. Have mercy upon me, Father. Have mercy upon us all. Father, we thank you that you are our Father, compassionate Father, who we can call out at any time for help, for wisdom, for guidance, and for comfort. Help us, Father, and thank you that you reign forever and ever, and your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Thank you, Father. Pray on us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue looking at God rules the impossible. The idea is, is to take what we read in the book of Daniel and try and encourage us. We need encouragement in the times that we are living in. And the most beautiful thing is to know that God rules the nations. He's sovereign. He's on the throne. And He is sovereign over all. And also it's encouraging to know that God rules the impossible. And we're going to continue this morning to look at verses 24 to 49 of chapter 2 and to look at what a person looks like who trusts in God who rules the impossible. Two Sundays ago, or three Sundays ago, we looked at, at God rules the impossible, and we looked at that to be encouraged, so we can believe and trust in God who rules the impossible. Because when the impossible comes, suffering comes, hardships come, and that's when we want to turn our back on God. Because I think we're living in a time when people just want blessings from God. They want to just make their home a place like heaven and, and be blessed. But when trouble comes, and Jesus says suffering will come. If I suffer, you're going to suffer. 
Who are we not to suffer in this world if Jesus suffered for us into glory? And we will suffer into glory. And when suffering comes, will we trust in the God who rules the impossible? And so we want to look at this this morning. But it's lovely to see Daniel trusting in God. Daniel was like 15, 16 years old when he was taken into Babylon. And he did not turn his back on his God. He trusted the God who rules the universe. He gives God all the glory. When, when God had made known the dream and the visions of the night, he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. That all belongs to God. He just wants to honor God and he wants to glorify God. And, 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 and he is going to trust God to make known this dream to him. Because he trusts in the God who rules the impossible. He does the right thing. We all should run to God when we get into a situation when all the pops, the props are knocked from underneath us. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. This is what Daniel did. We run to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You can run to the book of Hebrews, run to chapter 11, that lovely chapter on faith, to see by faith Moses did this, by faith Abraham did this. Yeah, we see Daniel by faith trusting in the God who rules the impossible. He runs to God for wisdom and for strength. And I think of Elijah. Elijah was another man that trusted the God who rules the impossible. There was a time when he was going to take on 450 prophets of Baal. God didn't come to him before that and say, Elijah, I want you to do this because I'm going to come through for you. Elijah walked by faith. He came to all the Baal of prophets and he said to them, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal then people follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, only am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophet are 450 men. And he tells them what to do. Take two bulls. Two bulls will be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to eat. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. And they did that. They cried out to their God. They cut themselves and bled. Nothing happened. Then Elijah says, now it's my turn. And at the time of offering of the oblation, Elijah the, the prophet came here and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God. He wants to exalt his God. He, wants, he knows his God will deliver him. Either through that or from that. But he's trusting God. He's, he's pointing people to God. That I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. He doesn't stand there and say, well, I'm this great prophet and God has called me to do this. He points 
the folk to God. And he's a servant, just like Jesus came as a suffering servant. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you are Lord, our God, and that you have turned the heart back. And then the Father Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It doesn't mean they believed. It doesn't mean they were saved. They just gave lip service to God. They honored God with their lips. And we see King Nebuchadnezzar doing the same at the end of the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. He wasn't saved. He was just giving God lip service. And we should live in faith. We should, we should walk in faith like Elijah and, and Daniel did. They had true faith. They didn't talk about it. Their faith was expressed in action. They trusted in God and His Word. They trusted in the God who, had, who they had a relationship with. Today I think we trust more in the Scriptures and we have a relationship with the Scriptures. But do we have a relationship with a God who's given us the Scriptures to grow us, to strengthen us, to make us strong and courageous so we can stand before people, before people and point them to Jesus and say, look, my Jesus will come through for me. Either He'll deliver me through death or from death. And so let's turn now to this lovely passage, verses 24 to 49. And let's look at our second thing to show us what a person who trusts in God with the impossible looks like. But let me just briefly recap our first thing. And our first thing, which we saw in verses 24 to 30, was they walk in humility. We see Daniel in verses 24 to 30 walking in humility. Actually, we see Daniel in this entire book walking in humility and integrity. But that's what a person that trusts in God looks like. He, he, they walk in humility. They don't draw attention to themselves. Daniel walked in humility as he approached the king. He doesn't look for self-promotion. He doesn't look for self-glorification. He doesn't look to boast. Look at me. I'm this great man of God. And I have great understanding and wisdom. He doesn't. He's a humble man of God. And he takes full advantage of his situation to exalt and declare publicly the praises of his God. People are watching us in this world. What do they see in our actions and in our words? Do they see us praising and exalting God in our actions and in our words when we go through struggles in life? But Daniel, a humble man, is only interested in his friends and also the pagan, unbelieving astrologers, enchanters and magicians. Paul has told us, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. And Daniel has come there with sober judgment, meaning that he has a sound mind that is going to praise and exalt and bring glory to God. He has sober judgment. He doesn't want to draw attention away from God and to himself. He comes to God in humility. And he says to the king, 
clothed in humility. I'm going to show you, but not me, the God, the creative God. He's going to make known and reveal the mysteries. Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Paul reminds us, look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Wasn't Jesus like that as well when he walked this earth? Looking to his, not, not his own interest, but also to the interest of others? See, our human nature is to be proud. Our human nature is to look out for ourselves. We're number one. Like Ariok was. It was Daniel that went to Ariok. If you go back to um, basically verse 15, he declared to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king urgent? And, um, uh, sorry, verse 14, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Ariok. He went to the captain. But you notice that the captain says, um, then Ariok brought in Daniel, verse 25, before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man. Ariok didn't find Daniel. Ariok was going to put Daniel and his wise friends and all the unbelieving enchanters and magicians and wise men to death. He was going to destroy them. Daniel went out of humility. But Ariok, again, the self-promoting man, he wants to impress the king. There's a lot of people in the church that try to impress other Christians. Or pastors try to impress the congregation. Because their confidence is not in God's word. Their confidence is in themselves. How they talk, how they say, what they say. Entertain the people, joke with the people. To build up their esteem. Which is all a myth. We're all called to deny ourselves. Take up our cross daily and follow Christ. We're called to be servants. There's no pride in the kingdom of God. There's no room for pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. And we all struggle with pride. We all want to make the world know that I discovered this, or I found this, or I've made known this, or I was the one that wrote this letter. We need to look at ourselves and we need to stop giving ourselves credit for anything. Because it's all, our, it's all God's doing. It's all He's doing that we are who we are, we are in His grace. If we boast, we boast in Christ. And the beautiful thing is Daniel gives all the credit to God. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Only a humble man can do that. And scripture reminds us in Matthew 23, verses 11 to 12, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus came as our servant, and he humbled himself, and he was exalted into glory. There was his humiliation before his exaltation. He was humiliated on earth, but then he was exalted into glory when he rose from the dead, according to the scriptures, on the third day. Does the world see humble servants in the church like Daniel, giving all the credit to God, wanting to honour God, wanting to praise God, 
in public. I'm not saying we must go out there now and bash people over the head with our Bibles. It's in your ordinary day living. You give glory to God. And people come up to you and say to the parents, you've got lovely children. Yes, thank you. I know we're good parents. No, do, you, do you think, you know, it's only God's doing I'm this great parent. You know who gives me the wisdom to do this? It's God. Again, you see what a person looks like in our first thing, and that is Daniel walked in humility. A person who trusts in God, who rules the impossible, impossible walks in humility. And then we come to our second thing to show us what a person looks like that trusts in God with the impossible, and that is they speak the truth. We see this in Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 to 49. You see Daniel speaking the truth. God makes known the dream to him, and God gives him the interpretation. And he doesn't make up his own dream, he doesn't make up his own interpretation, he just speaks back the truth, what God showed him in his vision. Proverbs 12 verse 17 says, Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. And Daniel is a man who speaks the truth. He comes with, with honest interpretation, an honest dream. He tells the king. The king asked for an impossible. He asked the men to, to tell them his dream and then please interpret it. And they said, no person in this world can do this. No enchanter, no, no magician can do this. But Daniel knew his God, who rules the impossible, would help him. It doesn't mean every time we go through a suffering, it doesn't mean every time we get into an impossible situation that God's going to come through for us. This is not what Daniel's teaching us. God, God is showing us in Daniel that we can trust him with the impossible, but we must also trust him with the outcome. God can deliver us from death or through death. Obviously, we would love Him to deliver us from whatever we're going through immediately, but we've got to be patient with God. God knows what He's doing. He's the all-wise God. How are we to question God, answer back to God? We need to trust God. And Daniel, this, this lovely man, this, 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 we could say he's a little bit older now, and he's a man that comes and he speaks the truth in love with a tender heart to the King. Paul has warned us in Scripture, let our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. No matter who we speak to, no matter what that person has done to us, we should always make sure that our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. It's pointing people to Christ. We are showing character, godly character. We're showing fruits of the Spirit, kindness, gentleness. And Daniel speaks the truth. Daniel is concerned about those men that are going to be put to death and his, and his three friends as well. But he's also concerned for God's glory. He wants to give God the glory. How can someone stand, how can someone say this? Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might and then go and talk about himself and his strength and his wisdom. When he when he's said already, he, he can't draw attention to himself. But we do that. James warns us, be careful that, that what comes out of the mouth, fresh water and salt water can't come out the mouth. 
Because one minute we're cursing God and the next minute we're praising God. It can't be. As Christians, we should be praising God. Yes, we do sin. We do offend God. But that's helping us to, to, to not sin. But how can we stand up? How can I stand up here on a Sunday and tell you all how much I love God and wisdom and might come from Him and then I go out that door and I give no more glory to God. I only give glory to God in front of you. I only live according to the Scriptures in front of you. But I go out there and I live a different life. Then I come back Sunday and I put on my church clothes, my robe or whatever. Everybody in this room is accountable to God. No one can escape that. Everybody in this room is going to give account on every careless word that comes out of our mouth one day. We need to look to Daniel and we need to, 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 to see how Daniel approaches this king. And he, and, he, and he comes to the king and he says to the king, he says that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And then he comes and he tells him the dream. And the king saw in his dream was an enormous statue of a man made of four parts. It had a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze and legs of iron with feet of iron mixed with baked clay. And while King, and while king Nebuchadnezzar was watching a rock, Stone was cut out by, not by any human agency. It struck the statue on its feet and the whole statue disintegrated into pieces which the wind blew away like chaff. We know there's a time of judgment when Jesus with the winnowing fork and he throws the wheat into the air and the good stuff falls to the ground and the chaff gets blown away. There's a day of judgment when the chaff is just going to get blown away. Meanwhile, the rock grew into a huge mountain and filled the earth. And then Daniel interprets the dream. He speaks the truth. He tells the king exactly what God had revealed to him. God has revealed in us the way of salvation. Do we tell people this great mystery that is hidden to the unbeliever? Romans 16.25 says this. Now to him is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept a secret for long ages. And then Colossians 1, I think, also talks about a mystery that was eventually made known to us through the apostles, through the preaching of God's word. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 25 and 26. I'll start in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. We know in the Old Testament, God's truth was only partially revealed in the Old Testament. 
And the apostles were seen as the stewards of this mystery of God to bring new revelation hidden from ages past. And they came and spoke the truth. And we have this truth now to make this mystery known to the world. You can't expect the unbeliever to know that salvation through Jesus Christ is eternal life. Can't expect them to know that Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We have to go out there and make it known. It's still a mystery to the pagan mind. And we have this mystery which has been revealed to us. And we must speak it in truth. We must share God's word in truth to the lost world. We mustn't make up our story and our interpretation. There is so much trouble in how we are supposed to be saved. God saves us. The salvation is unto the Lord. Our responsibility is just to make known the word, share the word, and leave salvation up to God. That's a beautiful thing about Daniel. He comes and he speaks the truth to the king. He makes the dream known, and then he interprets the dream. And he still has the boldness and the courage to say to the king, You, O king, in verse 37, You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom. Every president, every prime minister who is president or prime minister of their country, God has given it to them. They did not put themselves in that position. God is the one that has given them their kingdom. We look at verse 38 of Daniel chapter 2. It says, And into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Just like God gave Adam and Eve great dominion and power and glory in the Garden of Eden, so God gives these these kings and rulers to rule their country, to rule the people, to rule the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, His way. And if they fail, judgment comes. Daniel speaks the truth. With the king, he tells the king that he's the head of gold, that is him, and that God has given him this great dominion and power and glory, just like he gave Adam and Eve great dominion and power and glory in the Garden of Eden. God gave King Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty, power, strength, and glory, and he can be cast down from his exalted position at any time by God. Earthly kingdoms come and the heavenly kingdoms remain, which we see. If you go back to Daniel 2.21, it tells us that God removes kings and set up kings. And this is what Daniel is telling King Nebuchadnezzar. There's a time for you to be a king over your kingdom, but there's a time when God's going to remove you and another kingdom will arise. And that's why he speaks of four different kingdoms. This, the Christian scholars say the first kingdom, the head of gold, is Babylon. The second kingdom, the, 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 the breast and arms of silver, is the Medo-Persian kingdom. 
And the third kingdom, the belly and the thigh of bronze, is the Grecian kingdom. And then the fourth kingdom, the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay, is the Roman Empire. But I'm here, like someone said, the focus of the dream itself and its interpretation are more concerned with what the future holds than when it will come to pass. We don't, have to, we don't have to try and figure out when the next kingdom. Is America the next kingdom? Is the UK the next kingdom? Our concern is what the future holds. We know there's a kingdom that God has set up that no earthly kingdom is going to destroy. We know God will establish His final kingdom which will ultimately destroy all other kingdoms. And it started off as small and it will grow to fill the earth. And it will endure forever. And that's how we live. We live in light of the heavenly kingdom. We live in light that there's a day of judgment where God is going to destroy all the nations. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, he talks about the earth being burnt up in fire. God will judge the world in righteousness. And there will be a new heaven and new earth where, where all God's children will dwell with Him. And the kingdom that God is building is not like the kingdom of the world. It's God's kingdom. It's ultimate and that in Jesus Christ, His rule, His sovereignty is established forever. And that was a promise made to David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7 to 17, where God addressed David on the kingdom issue. God promises David a kingdom like no other kingdom in this world. It is in fact the kingdom of God and God's king, the promised son of David, Jesus Christ, the son of man, will lead God's people into his everlasting kingdom where he will reign forever. And God will eventually destroy all the earthly kingdoms and bring all things together under the feet of Jesus Christ and our eyes shall see him reign. Jesus Christ, king of kings, and Lord of Lords will reign in His kingdom forever with His people. Us who will be clothed in His righteousness. That's why our concern should be for what the future holds. We know this world's going to come to an end. It's going to be destroyed. Judgment Day is coming. We don't know when. And our focus should be on, on evangelizing, witnessing, telling people about Jesus and His kingdom. Do you belong to His kingdom? How do you belong to Jesus' kin, repent and believe. Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But people need to hear the truth. We need to speak the truth. Just like Daniel went and spoke the truth to the king. He didn't add to scripture. He didn't take away from scripture. He just made known the truth. And Daniel gives all the glory to God. And he just says, a great God has made known to the king. What shall be after this? The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure because it comes from God. Because those that do not know God, He's going to shatter. But those who trust in God will reign with Him forever and ever in the everlasting kingdom. That's why Paul's always reminding us keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated, keep your mind on the things above. On the heavenly things, not on the earthly things. Because the earthly things can distract us. Our hope and our encouragement and our comfort is knowing that what we do in this life is not wasted. We, 
working towards the new heavens and new earth. And it's amazing after Daniel tells the king his dream and interpretation. In verse 46, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and an incense be offered up to him. Well, he's doing exactly... This is exactly how he worships his own God. He offers up incense to him, an offering and incense. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a ruler of mysteries, for you have been able able to reveal this mystery. doesn't mean he now suddenly believes. We know we're going to get into Daniel and see eventually the king is humbled and believes. But he's just giving credit and acknowledging that Daniel's God is truly the God of God and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. The same thing. You can witness to someone and they can turn around and say, wow, you serve a great God. I respect your God and I, and, I, and I think your God is great. It doesn't mean he's saved now. It doesn't mean you go away and say, wow, he believes in my God. He's just telling you what he, what he thinks of your God. Until he repents and puts his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he saved. Until he believes that Jesus rose from the scriptures according to the the scriptures on the third day and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, then he shall be saved. But he can honor God with his lips. They can talk about God. doesn't mean they are saved. Because if they're saved, today the love of Christ is poured out into that person's heart and you'll find eventually in a church where God's word is preached. And people are built up in Christ Jesus. But what a great God. God rewards Daniel for his honesty, for his integrity, for his humility, for his truthfulness. And the king gave Daniel high honours and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Do you see the great picture there? How God is taking care of the Israelites who have been taken out of Jerusalem, been exiled in Babylon. And they're going to spend 70 years there. And the 70 years they spend there, Daniel is like second in charge. God looking after his children. God taking care of his children. Because when Daniel was taken into exile, he was 15 years old. And when the Persian king, King Cyrus, defeats Babylon, and when he sends the, the Israelites back to Jerusalem to start building, I think Daniel is around 85 years old. God looks after his people. And they don't deserve it. Why were they exiled? Why were they thrown out of Jerusalem? Because of abomination, because of, of, of their of the idolatry. Just read the last three chapters of Jeremiah and you see exactly what the Israelites did. How they turned from God. How they were sacrificing their own children. God took Jerusalem away from them. He burnt Jerusalem. He destroyed Jerusalem. And all these men and women were carried off. Or not all of them, but most of them were carried off to Babylon. 
I challenge us as we guard this door this morning. These two things in Daniel chapter 2 that we've looked at. What a person looks like who trusts in God who rules the impossible. They walk in humility and they speak the truth. I challenge us to go out the door. And let's start. Let's humble ourselves before God. And let's walk in humility. Let's speak the truth in love. Let's not be ashamed. Let's show strength and courage, boldness before this world as we talk about the things of God with joy. Colossians 3, 12. This is what Christ Jesus did for us on the cross. Colossians, Colossians 3, 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. God has, Jesus died on the cross to forgive us, yes, for our sins, but he, He's given us His Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And His love has been poured out into our hearts. And then the fruits of the Spirit come into play. Gentleness, kindness, patience. But here we have meekness, humility, compassionate hearts. We need to put those on. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. To be changed from being ungodly to being godly men and women. Humble men and women who speak the truth in this dark world. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for, for Daniel's faithfulness. For Daniel's obedience. I thank you that Daniel walked as a humble man. And he walked speaking the truth. And doing this publicly because he wanted to exalt your name. Honour your name to show the world that there's only one true living God. is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The God of Israel. Father, help us. Forgive us when we do sin. Forgive us when we are ashamed of the gospel. When we don't walk in humility and we don't speak truth. We shy away from this world. Help us, Father, not to be like Daniel but to look to Daniel and, and trust in God like Daniel trusted his God with the impossible. Father, thank you. You rule the impossible because all things are possible with you. And again, we just thank you for showing us your, your wisdom and your power in chapter 1 and 2 so far. We just thank you for revealing these truths so we can stand and be strong and courageous. Walk by faith and not by sight. Father, thank you now for this morning. Help us. Help us to guard this door, clothed in humility and truth. And go out there and be a witness. Be the salt and light that God has called us to be. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.